we're going to skip our scripture reading, but I want to go straight to our one church prayer because you'll hear enough of me in scripture here in a second. Um, <clears throat> I want to pray for a church. And, and how many churches are there in Jacksonville? One. There's one church. That church gathers in many places. Jesus is not a polygamist. He has one bride. All right? Don't have a white bride, black bride. He doesn't have a Baptist bride and a, and a, and a, a Presbyterian bride. His bride is one. We are members of one body. So today we're going to pray for a church that is very near and dear to me. It's downtown. It's called the Well Church. Pastor by a guy named Tone Benedict. I've known Tone for, good gracious, a long time. Tone is, he's in the thick of it on the pointy end of the, of the stick, so to speak. If you get a chance to look him up. They are a church that primarily focuses on those that are in need in terms of like the homeless, people that are in rehab. They have a ministry. They have a, uh, uh, a shower trailer that they take downtown and they give bath to the homeless. And so for me, um, I, you know, this is a Christian and missionary church. I do believe that we should pray for and support not just global ministries, but also those that are local. And if you have any free time, there's always, if you're like, man, I don't have anything to do. I don't, I don't have purpose. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I can serve God in other ways. Um, this, this area up here um, is limited. We can't fit everybody up here. We only got two hours of church service. Don't, don't limit what you can do for God within these four hours in two hours. Amen. God is doing some great things in this city. All you got to do is get online and look it up. There are soup kitchens, Trinity Baptist, Trinity uh, Rescue Mission. Um, what, what are some other ones? Anybody know? Schulzbacher Center. Kim's Open Door, another great local ministry. Look these things up. They're always looking for people to help. Amen. But anyway, the Well Church, Tone Benedict, let's pray for him. Dear Lord, we pray for Pastor Tone and his family. He got a whole bunch of kids, Lord. So we just pray that you would continue to bless the work of their hands, provide them finances, Lord God, to help support their family. We ask, Lord God, that you bless their ministry. We ask that you give them just an abundance of resources so they continue to do the work of God. So, Lord, we just thank you for um, him, Tone Spirit, his desire to, to minister to and, pray and preach to the, those that most churches would turn away quickly. Um, we thank you for him and his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Um, so last week, um, I, I didn't, uh, we, we, we're still in, we are the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, we are going through those values, and today is value number six. We've got one more next week, and then we're going to roll right into Chip coming right in. It's like perfect. We had seven values over seven weeks. Uh, add on um, Jack Plattis' message, and we roll right into Chip coming in. <clears throat> But has this helped out any? Would y'all say it's like a good kind of resetting? Has it helped any of these messages? Come on, y'all gotta help. Y'all, y'all can talk back to me. I'm black. I, I, you, can't, you can't throw me off. I got rhythm, okay? <laughs> so so did, did, did it help yeah. at all? At all? Okay, all right. So, so we're going to go ahead and do a quick recap. So these were the, the, the values we are about. Lost people, they matter to God. He wants them found. Prayer is the primary work of God's people. We should be a praying people. The third one was everything we have belongs to God. We are his stewards. Nothing you get. Uh, anybody remember one of the richest men ever lived? His name was uh, Steve Jobs. 
You know how much of that money he still has? None of it. All right. He has none of it. Michael Jackson, very rich. How much did he have? He has none of it now. You can't take it with you. It all belongs to God. And one day he's going to say, hey, give me my breath back. All right. So best thing we could possibly do is to steward his stuff very well. All right. The next value, value number four, knowing obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Knowing God's word takes effort. We have to apply it. We talked about that. We talked about uh, value five, completing the Great Commission will, cont- will require the mobilization of every fully devoted disciple. The Great Commission is to go out and make other disciples. And um, I just want to just linger on that for a moment because this is one of my favorite ones. Um, think about discipleship and churches. I'm going to be very honest with you. The, the very thing that God told us to do is the very thing we all suck at. All right. We do this secondary stuff of putting on a church service for two hours very well. But that is the secondary mission of the church. The primary mission is to be making disciples. Discipleship is not a program. Discipleship is not, oh, like if I get time or if I like to. Discipleship is supposed to be our goal. Now, undergirded in that is we should want to be discipled, all right? We should want people to speak into our lives. We should want people to teach us. And we should also be willing to pour into somebody else. Discipleship to me is always one up and at least one up and one down. You should always have somebody that can talk into your life, speak into it. And you should be willing to invest. Got it? All right. So. The things I said that that makes us devoted disciples that we should bear fruit. Disciples bear witness. Disciples bear gifts and disciples bear arms. Now, last week I saw the time and I got I got like very like, oh, my goodness, I got to hurry up. So I was all nervous and I missed the point. And I got to and I I really want to hit on this real quick. So uh, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 through 13. I'm going to give you a moment to get there. And I need I, 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 I know I pray. I'm like, Lord, if I miss something, just through your Holy Spirit, just kind of fill in the blanks. I really want to hammer this home when it comes to being a devoted follower and fulfilling the Great Commission. We've been told to go to all the ends of the earth and and to 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 be a witness and to make disciples to all ends of the earth. Okay. now, when I said bear arms, most of us usually go to the verse about put on the full armor of God. Okay, that would have been the most obvious place to go. But I was in the military for 20 years. We don't all just grab weapons and start fighting. All right. I know that looks like that in a lot of the old movies where it's like two big armies just clash together and and just do stuff. Uh, I mean, to a degree, that's what happened back then. But even then, in those armies, there are roles. You have swordsmen. You have the guys that shoot the bow and arrows. You have the, 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 the horsemen, the guys that ride the horse and... They all have a specific job and a specific purpose. When Jesus invites us on the great co- into the Great Commission, he's not just saying randomly go out there and fight. He says you have a role in this mission. We are being called into a war, and it's not a bad thing, all right? 
when, when, I, when, I, when I explain this right here, you may already be doing it and you don't even realize it. Okay? So when it says, and he gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. All right. All five of these roles within God's army are present whether you want to name yourself any of these things or not. Okay. Apostle is a person who goes and does a thing like they go to a person who is sent. And we all, and when we think apostles, we think about the capital A apostles like Apostle John, Apostle Peter. But the apostolic gift from the spirit is when the spirit of God gives you a mission and you need to go complete it. When God says something like, hey, that person over there is hurting, go pray for them. That's not because I'm such a, a great person. It's because the spirit of God has sent me to do that work. And everybody in this room, if you're sensitive to the spirit and you let God guide you, you'll find yourself doing acts of service to people. You'll find yourself going to give somebody a word because the spirit of God sent you to do that. All right. This is not the office of apostle capital A. This is the apostolic gift. All right. The next one, prophet. When we think prophet, we think Ezra, we think Isaiah, we think, uh, 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 what's the two E's? Uh, uh, what's that? Um, um, Elijah and Elisha. Thank you. I appreciate that. Give me that. My mind was somewhere else. So we think about those prophets. Prophets are people who just express the will of God. If any one of you have kids, you, you see them do something stupid and you want to yell at them. All right. You can express what your will is. Right. If you don't get down, I will beat you. Right. Yeah. You, you can express what your will is. Right. When you see people doing something and you just feel not not in a in a weird I want to complain kind of way. But when you want to express what the will of God is to a person. Like, hey, if. If you continue in this life doing what you're doing, you, 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 may, you may get punished or you, you, you may incur God's judgment or God is not pleased when you do that. That is a prophetic gift. You're, 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 you're expressing the will of God. An evangelist. What does an evangelist do? We all know, like, hey, tell evangelists. Somebody goes and they raise money. They, they go into countries and they tell people about the gospel. On the more bigger side, that's the way it is. But on a more everyday level, we are just expressing the good news wherever we go. I can be in the kitchen and I'll be like, man, God is good. That's the evangelistic gift. You could have easily just been like, yeah, it's a great day. But instead of just saying it's a great day, like, man, God is good. Look how beautiful it is outside. Like you quickly shift the glory and the attention to God. That's an evangelistic gift. Shepherd. What does a shepherd do? It's not, it's not, not a trick question. What does a shepherd do? Take care of sheep, right? Yeah, they take care. So even if you do something as simple as like, 
I see this little kid and I'm drawn with compassion to kneel down and to show love. Tie a sh I used to, I've tied so many shoes uh, working as a teacher. Good Lord, kids, I don't know how in the world. <laughs> but to be a person who cares enough to care for others, that is a work of the Holy Spirit within you that expresses itself when you go help others. And then teachers, they teach. Again, Holy Spirit gives you information. You share that information with other people. All these different things, when working together, everybody in this room, in small ways, even though it's not like, oh man, like being on the stage and getting, getting, getting the opportunity to sing and talk to people about Jesus, there's other ways to equip the saints for the work of ministry and build up the body of Christ that does not include doing what I do on a Sunday. And I want to be honest with you. We have not encouraged you all to do more of this. We all think, oh, like that guy on stage who gets paid to do it, he's the person that does the equipment of the saints. It's, it's not like if, if all of that burden fell on me, then, 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 the, then the kingdom of God is in trouble. We need every believer on mission you may be really good at some of these or all of these or none of these. But if you let the Holy Spirit talk to you, you'll do something. You'll do something. Amen. 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 So we're going to roll. So I, I missed that part last week and we're going to roll right into value six, which I felt should have been value five. But, you know, it is what it is. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. We cannot or we can. We can accomplish nothing. All right, I'm, that's what they wrote, all right? <laughs> so, so if all the things that we were talking about prior, if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. And that takes us to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. This is where they drew it from. Now, we're, I usually, the, the, the past few weeks, I've done topical preaching. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you all... I'm going to give you all the, 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 the magic behind preaching. So when you listen to a sermon, you're like, oh, uh, Leonard told me about that. So what I've been doing the past few weeks is topical preaching. That is, I take an idea, a topic, and I bring other scriptures to it, which is okay. Nothing wrong with that. Not evil. Unless you use it to twist scripture, then it becomes a little sketchy. So I'm not the biggest fan of topical preaching. I do it when I have to. I like this right here. I like verse by verse contextual preaching. You can't misinterpret when you go verse by verse, letter by letter. I'm, I'm more in that camp. Now, when you do contextual preaching, it's not very uh, exciting. All right? Not like, not like uh, topical preaching where you get to bounce around and, and we go to different verses and we get to pull things from different verses. So today I'm going to do contextual preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to go verse by verse. We're going to finish up this chapter in the next 25 minutes. All right, y'all ready? We can do it. I promise you, it won't hurt. <laughs> so, starting with uh, our first point, which is our greatest ability is availability. And we're going to gather that from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He says, 
And when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message are not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now, there's a reason why Paul is saying this. I had to do some research and it was actually pretty cool. So in, in that time period, they used to have these things called uh, people called rhetorics. Uh, they were almost like they didn't have TV, didn't have Internet. You had to be lucky to get an education. And so what people used to do is they would go. So imagine if this was an open space outside, like an auditorium. And they would come and sit and listen to a person give speeches. Because, again, you didn't have TV, you didn't have social media. You had to pay for an education. And so coming to hear somebody speak was a treat especially when that person knew what they were doing, okay? I'm going to mess with y'all. I'm going to let y'all know. I'm going to inform you and entertain you at the same time, okay? Hopefully this will help some of you. Um, I have a business background, and and, um, so I'm going to let you know how some of this works because a lot of this is used in business, especially in sales, Okay? And, and there's a correlation between how salesmen and people that were rhetorics at the time that this was written, things that people use to influence others. Okay? All right. So when you go buy anything, perfume, jewelry, a, most definitely a car, this is the first thing that's going to happen. Watch this. Okay? Hey, Julie. Oh. Wow, I love your sweater. You look, you look great in it. Now, what did that do? It, make you, it, it makes you open. It's like you get comfortable. You become, when, when you smile because the person said you're in, it's like, oh, what's your name? Bill. Bill, wow, great, 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 great to see you. Man, love that jacket. Where'd you get that from? It's, it's getting you interested in what I have to say because I'm talking about your favorite subject. What's, your, what's everybody's favorite subject? You. <laughs> you are your favorite subject. <laughs> and so when you go into and you go somewhere and that person needs to make a sale, they're going to come to you and they're going to compliment you to get you to feel relaxed. Like this person, he likes me. I like him because I like me. <laughs> we got something in common. When I want to prove a point, I point. Y'all saw that? It seems like what I'm getting ready to say is serious, right? Or when I take a long... (laughs) That draws you in, right? It's like, okay, what's next? Funny story. What's funny? Did 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 you... Feel how your ears perked and your heart was like, okay, I want to laugh. Like, I like to laugh. And this person said, hey, funny story. Like, oh, wow. Like, what is it? Politicians do this too. Politicians do it. If they don't secure our borders, 
if they don't do this, you start thinking like everything I just did was it has you thinking future tense. Either I'm preparing you for something great or something terrible. But either way, I've grabbed your attention, and now I can take your heart and turn it however I want it to. Now, I could use those powers for evil, but I don't, since I have integrity. (laughs) Doing this in the context of a church, if you watch some of these certain people on TV, they use these tricks all the time. And now that I told you how these tricks work, hopefully you'll be a little bit more discerning when you listen to somebody usher your heart in certain directions. This is what Paul is talking about. When, when, when Paul was in, in, the, um, in, in, in the various areas of Roman influence, especially like around Corinth, there were people that were very good at what I just talked about. They were really good at, at using wisdom and tricks and, and different things to get people to do and believe things they probably wouldn't believe on their own. And so if our faith is merely a set of facts that I have to give to you to make you think a certain way, move a certain way, do something, it merely becomes noise in the backdrop of more noise. It's, it's my thoughts and feelings up against everybody else's. All right? So when Paul says, I was with you in weakness and in fear, much trembling, and my speech, speech and message were not plausible words of wisdom, but a demonstrative spirit and a power, he's saying that we're, we're not going to trust in just this way of, 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 of manipulation. We, we're going to trust in the power of God. And the way I trust in the power of God is by making myself available to God and his power. And I know that that can come off kind of, you know, like hyper spiritual. But what Paul was saying was, I'm not going to do those things. I'm not. I'm not going to try to manipulate you. I'm coming from a place of where God is dealing and working inside of me. And I'm and I'm expressing to you the work that God is doing in me. And I want to see him do it in you. This is ironic because Paul was probably the smartest person in the room. This is not an, this is not a, 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 a dumb guy saying like, hey, I can't keep up with these other intellects. Paul was probably the smartest dude in the room, and he says something that is so profound. I decided to know nothing among among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he knew a lot. Now, what does that mean? How in the world do you just know Jesus Christ and him crucified? It, it It is me trusting not in me, like my gifts, my talents, and my abilities, But the foundation of my trust and how I operate in this world is Jesus and him crucified. All right. Still way up here. Let's bring it down a couple notches. If my life is not centered around me and my achievements and whatever I've done, if it's centered on 
the gospel, then that means that the miraculous work of God, if, if God was able to take a dead man, if a dead man was able to raise himself up and walk, anything is possible. If it's me and my intellect is limited by my ability to grasp, to understand, to get educated, where Paul is saying, no, that power that raised Jesus from the dead is that very power that resides in me and I now live according to that. My, my, whole, my whole existence pivots on what happens on Calvary. So for, even for a very educated guy like Paul, placing all his trust in a risen Savior means that his whole life revolves not around how, how well he can argue with other people, but about how well he could live out his life in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Point two. Our, it takes us to point two. Our greatest action is abiding. And for that, I want to um, go to verse five. And it says, four and five, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, our greatest action is abiding. That is almost an oxymoronic statement because abiding means what? Resting. Do nothing, right? He wants our faith to not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm, I'm not a big fan, uh, and maybe, maybe some of you are, I'm, I'm not a big fan of people that preach from a position where you get the impression that they have perfect lives. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of people that you have no clue how they wrestle with, like when you listen to them preach, you have no clue of how is God working in your life? I got a good grasp of what you know. Like, you're a really smart person. I'm more or less concerned about how is that working out for you? It's like, it's like going to um, a gym and you see a person who is not in shape. And they're like, I'm an instructor. I can't, I don't want to listen to you, right? <laughs> I take that very same mind. If, if you have, like, if you don't have muscle and you're trying to tell me how to work out, I'm like, nah, not so much, bro. I, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm the same way spiritually. I'm not really interested in what you know. I'm really more interested, is it working for you? Y'all saw how I did my hands like this? That's actually another visual cue. <laughs> How is faith working out for you, teacher, pastor? Because if you're not putting these words that you're telling me, these thoughts and ideas, if they're not, if they're not radically changing your life, why should I do it? I'm more, I have way more respect for people that are like, I failed, I've struggled, 
I have my issues, I'm still trying to figure it out. Because that tells me that that person is taking God's word and their life and trying to make them meet in the middle somewhere. They're seeking to fall in line with God's truth. Not merely one who's saying like a piece of art, oh, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? And our faith should not be a piece of art that we say, oh, that's beautiful. It should be something that we are deeply immersed in. So when, when Paul continues this, 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 um, this um, there we go. My doggone laptop, my iPad is doing its own thing. I'm going to have to trust you because... I'm having those technical difficulties we talked about, Miss Connie. <laughs> so next slide, point number three. Our greatest alliance is with the kingdom. And we're going to go through a, a, a good stretch of scripture here. We're going to go through verse, verse uh, 6 through 12. We're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Yet among the, the mature, we do, not, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. This, 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 this verse right here, I, I talked about it earlier, but this, this right here, every time I bring this, anytime we talk about this, especially in church, there's always going to be some, in, this, in our current cultural climate, a little bit of pushback, okay? Because Paul goes political, all right? Paul goes political. It is not a wisdom of this age or of rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. All right, I'm going to have to say it. The kingdom of God does not pivot on what happens in our government. The kingdom of God does not pivot on what happens in the voting booth. There are Christians that live in monarchs, monarchy, monarchical governments with kings and queens. There there are Christians that live in dictatorships. There are Christians that live in places right now that are under gang and warlord rule. I can tell you, I've been around the sun quite a few times. Some of you have been around the sun way more many times than me. But if you, if you look throughout the stretch of the human experience from when the time the church was formed, or even before, kings and kingdoms, what the word declares, they all pass away. Every single one of them. Rome, we thought, was too big to fail. Egypt, we thought that, hey, they were going to be on top forever. China had its time. And one day we may have our time. All right? But the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand. The word. So if the word stands, if Jesus ain't going nowhere, so are we. We're going to be here. When God made a promise to David, he says, I'm going to establish your, your kingdom forever. 
And when Jesus left the earth and sat at the right hand of the Father with all authority, he's still there. He is still there. Our king is still on the throne, and when he gets up, we got problems, but he is still there. So our trust is not in the rulers or powers or governments of this world. We are ambassadors to, not ambassadors from. Our kingdom is not of this world. Amen? Let's give the Lord some praise on that one. But if we impart a secret wisdom, a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And verse, what's the next verse? But as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, um, that, that verse, verse 9, is very beautiful. Love it. But verse 8, if the rulers of, that, of this world knew what they were doing, they would not have killed Jesus. Now, why is that a beautiful thing? Because, you know, when I was young and dumb Christian early on, I was like, man, if I was there, I wouldn't let them crucify Jesus. Man, that was so stupid. The death of our Savior, if they knew that he would raise himself up and give us hope. If they knew when they crucified our Lord that Billions upon billions of souls would hear the gospel and get set free from a life destined for a, a, a hell for Satan. They would not have killed our Lord of glory. So when it says no eyes have seen, nor ears have heard, nor it entered the hearts of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love him, that means all of the good news of the gospel that was made available to us through the death of Jesus is the good stuff that he has purpose for us because we love him. They hated him. They crucified him. But we love him and we accept all the benefits of his um, resurrection. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. So again, the spirit is, is, is revealed it to us for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Uh, let's see. Hopefully nobody here. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to say it. All right. Another thing I'm going to say that may make some people upset, but you know, it is what it is. The scary thing about ministry is that it can be learned. You, you can learn what I'm doing. You, you can learn. You can learn ministry. You can learn it. You can learn how to be an evangelist. You can learn how to be a missionary. You can learn how to be a pastor. You can learn how to speak and give sermons. You can learn it. Or you can just be lucky. There are some people who don't have an ounce 
of theological training or, or of biblical studies, and they're just lucky. Holy Spirit is, they, 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 they just really good at speaking and singing and all that. Then there's a third thing of leading, where you're being led by the Spirit to do the work of God. That to me is way more important than being lucky or being learned. Are you being led by the Spirit? Because it's one thing to, to read a verse like this and to think to yourself, oh, like, you know, God has, you know, he's put this in the scripture. Like, you just randomly something. I, if you just randomly read a scripture, like, take a commandment verse. Thou shalt not lie. Okay? It's just words on paper. And if I memorize it and tell it to you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I probably shouldn't lie. <laughs> but if you lived under the leading of the Spirit, when you have the opportunity to lie, what is the Holy Spirit going to do? No, bro, you ain't doing that. Stop. 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 Nope. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> but if I was merely just a person who had wisdom, because I've read it somewhere, you shouldn't lie. And I'm convincing you, hey, you shouldn't lie because it says it right here in the text. It says it in the book. Don't lie. Versus don't lie because the Spirit of God calls you not to lie. There was a time, I'm, 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 again, show my, show my, 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 how fragile I am. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, sorry, babe, I got to bring up our marriage. My bad. Um, there was a time where I was very carnal in my thinking and in my marriage. And right as I got saved, I wasn't the most mentally committed person to my wife. All right, I'm showing you my faults and hopefully you get something out of it. I wasn't committed. And I was praying about that. I'm like, Lord, like, I know I'm supposed to, this is like really early in my faith, maybe like six months in or less, maybe two months. And I'm sitting there, and I know what the, I know what the scripture says, like I'm supposed to stay married, be married to my wife, don't, don't leave her. But I'm really struggling. I'm like, man, like I'm looking in other places. I want to do other things. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm really struggling with it. And I'm looking at my wife and I'm like having all these negative thoughts. And then the spirit speaks to me. If you can't love her with your old eyes, how about you love her with a new heart? And nine months later, we have a daughter named Jalen. <laughs> God took my brokenness and my carnal way of thinking. And even though I've read it in his word, what I should do with my marriage, it wasn't until I allowed the spirit to work through me to put that word into action. Y'all get what I'm saying? We should not just be merely reading God's word to get words, to get facts. We are to be reading for marching orders. 
What am I, Lord, I've read this. What am I supposed to do with it? Or when you're faced with a dilemma, Lord, um, what does your word say about this? Holy Spirit, remind me. I've read it somewhere. Holy Spirit, tell me, show me so that you can work through me to bring this to pass, to, to put me in the midst of God's will. Are y'all, are y'all getting what I'm saying? It, 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 we, we don't want to just have a brain full of scriptures memorized. We want to live a life where we're act, accurately, I mean like accurately depicting the work of God in our lives. Amen? I'm going to go ahead and call the band up. It is, it is so easy to just go through the motions of going through another, another Bible reading plan. We want to get to the next Bible study lesson. None of that accumulation of facts matters if you're not saying to yourself, how do I put this into action? How do I live this out? And the only way, you're going to, if you do this under your own power, you're going to fail. Oh, you, you may be looking and succeed. Maybe. You need the Holy Spirit working in you and through you to see this come to pass. And that is value number six. Without the empowerment of the Spirit, we cannot or we can accomplish nothing. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Stand with me and let's pray. Lord, today's message, I may not have spoken with eloquence or, or, or flashy words. I, I may not have influenced people to do something they probably wouldn't want to do. Um, I, I, I don't want them walking away saying like, wow, that's a great message. I want them to walk away and say, wow, you're such a great God. That you would want to be in me that you will want to be a part of my life and to shape and mold me into the image of your son, Jesus. Such a privilege, such an honor, Lord. And as we're faced with so many things in this world that, that make us just want to be terrible people, the crazy part is you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. You are faithful even when we're not. And you love us even when we're unlovable. And for that, Lord, we just thank you, give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Christ Jesus' name. All of God's people say amen.